0: So I, I feel like I just walked into a family dinner uh, because I am here today. Oh, by the way, hey, underground. Hey. What's up? Uh, just want to say hi. This is Corey, and um, I'm with my friend. This is Brian. Right and we're sharing a microphone today because today is a special day. We are doing our first episode where we're doing essentially a spotlight, spotlight on a bunch of different microchurch expressions here in kansas city connected in some way with kansas city underground so real
1: quick i just wish i'm going to take a picture of this one and uh post it so that everybody can see what you're
0: wearing <laughs> I, I i'm going to the pool right after this so i'm i'm full on tank top swim shorts flip flops these, these shorts are amazing. yeah i mean they're my hawaiian shorts okay go ahead i was born in hawaii it says aloha it says Anywho, so uh, I just I'm glad that everyone can really get a mental picture of what's happening in this room right now. Uh, But our first spotlight is with a couple people that have been referenced many times in this podcast is David and Cheryl Johnson, also known as Brian's mama and papa. Right.
1: Although I will say my identity most of my life is kind of transitioned from that's David's son that's Cash's dad
0: (laughs) perfect really important sandwich somewhere in those generations is my friend Brian right here so uh yeah so today is is Brian's gonna guide most of this conversation I'm gonna probably just lean in and say random jokes and observations for most of this time Um, but yeah there's what's really fun about David and Cheryl's story is that it's obviously many stories in many contexts and so after we get a little bit of like hey who are you then we're going to try to dive into these various streams but first of all welcome glad you guys are here thanks, thanks for thanks. chatting with us and also lastly um i just want to say i appreciate the just the southern um manners that were brought to the table because we were right before this podcast had a quick conversation cheryl asked me a question and my response was uh-huh or mm-hmm. and brian goes Yes, ma'am. So I was immediately chastised, and I said that wrong not by Cheryl, but by Brian. Um, so anyway, cool. Go, go, Brian. Talk to your parents.
1: Okay. Yeah, actually, I was going to, um, when you just said David and Cheryl, I was like, it's, it's Mr. David and Ms. Cheryl. <laughs> Timmy always says, is Cheryl going to do something? I'm like, do you mean mom? It's, it's so weird to hear other people say your first names all right um so the first question we want to get into is just a little bit of your background uh so we want people to understand who you are where you're from uh you don't have to tell how old you are or anything there's a lot of life there um (laughs) i don't mean that negatively (laughs) so i'll direct it so you're not trying to figure out who should talk first so you can go first so uh who are you
2: (laughs) i'm david johnson uh Brian's dad. There we and go. So, uh, yeah, grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, went to school in South Georgia, little town. And, um, yeah, I just, that's who I am.
1: You, how, career, how about Um
2: that? Mostly in sales, mostly food service. So yeah. yeah,
1: so that's what I've known you as. So 30-something years as a salesman growing up. Uh, trying to think of any other pertinent details that would have been important in there. I wasn't expecting it to be that brief. I told you to be brief, and you were, that was as brief as it gets. <laughs> All right, so you grew up in Jacksonville, uh, and then Mom, also, you grew up in Jacksonville. Right. So, um, I don't know, you can give your side of the story now.
3: So, I grew up in Jacksonville as well, went to um, the same college that David went to. That's where we met. And
1: so you guys are in the same hometown. I mean, I know Jacksonville's a big city, but you went no, to different we did high not schools, know each other. didn't know each other. And then you end up at this small college in South Georgia. And you still didn't know each other there, right?
3: No, we did we, meet it.
2: We actually we did know each other, but we weren't like friends or anything there. We just kind of knew it because of the fraternity and sororities. But um, where we actually met was in Jacksonville over the first my first summer back to Jacksonville and um, yeah she worked at the tag agency and I worked at, for an automobile dealership and uh, she was buying tags and so I saw her and yeah that was the, <laughs> the, the beginning th- of every th- great love story exactly that's
1: exactly right, that's right. Wow. Well, did, did your high schools play each other
2: sure yeah so was like, like, there was like chance, ten there was about ten high schools in Jacksonville at that time,
1: but there's a chance you were in the same like places and didn't know each other. I just find that fascinating mm-hmm. you know? yeah. anyway all right, so you got married fast forward a few years you had a couple of other kids, and then you had me um uh,
0: <laughs> yeah i, I kind of just want to hear about maybe some biggest i don't. know, Disappointments. That, <laughs> Come on, man, the, get out of here. The, <laughs> <laughs> All right, here!
1: All right, so um, I don't know. Let's a little background in South Georgia. So we left out your occupation, school teacher, right? Mm-hmm. So you started in like 1974. Four. So first, first job. What was your first? You've told me this before, but like first school position was what grade were you teaching
3: i taught fifth sixth and seventh grade all boys right that and was interesting in south
1: georgia mm-hmm. interesting. with no air conditioning for how many hours a day
3: i guess eight 25
1: yeah But <laughs> well, this is like a 15 minute break though right i think that's yeah. what you told me mm-hmm. before so a champ um what else i'm trying to think of like childhood I'm trying not to tell my story, but I want to hear your story. Well, I think
3: but... one thing you had asked about was our influences as we were growing up. Yeah. Uh, we yeah, talked a little bit about that. And, and um, my mother, of course, was a great influence on me as far as le- learning to love Jesus. And, um, you know, one of uh, memory that I have is just family devotions in the morning, just reading the Bible mm-hmm. and praying together every day before school.
1: Uh, still
0: doing is that where you got that yeah that's where i got that right on <laughs> <laughs> all right
1: um so i'm gonna fast forward it to uh the big transition in my life which was a significant transition in your life uh so mom school teacher dad salesman we lived in south georgia
2: then we moved to north georgia uh and then the what, other two. what took us to north georgia was the flood of 93. that's what, that was uh-huh. what began the change because i probably would have never left pelham I mean, I loved being able to go fishing and hunting within five minutes, you know. So that's what really took us to North Georgia.
1: You can give a little bit more context in that.
2: Well, I was in food service, owned a food service company there. And one day I was um, packing the truck, taking orders over the phones. And several of the people that, that I called on asked me, they said, David, are you really going to be here tomorrow and i'd say of course i'm going to be there tomorrow and i would say, why wouldn't i be there tomorrow and they asked me have you seen the news and i'm like no not really and they said well if you get here fine and the next day most of those people lost their homes and their businesses and so that was the beginning of the end so to speak of of our business we still went almost three years after that but it was a struggle because most of those people at the end of three years still didn't have their homes or businesses back so yeah it was very difficult
1: yeah so we moved to north georgia so we got like a kind of a new start new town new new church family still staunchly southern baptist uh and fast forward a few so that was 96 so i remember moving during the olympics uh I'm trying to think so another six or seven years after that this is my freshman year of college you guys are like reaching the age of retirement, retirement. so what's what what are you thinking well it now?
3: wasn't so much reaching the age of a retirement as it was the end of my teaching career because I taught for 30 years and you could retire at 30 years and so I had just begun praying, even before that. You know, God, what do I do now? You know, and I had lots of ideas. Um, but even as I think I shared, you know, we didn't talk about church growing up, but the church that I grew up in at Christmas time always had missionaries that would come and talk, and my heart was always warmed when they would come, and yeah. felt like God was saying, "Really, is this is for you?" You know, but. Like we said, we went to school, got married, had children, continued teaching. So so anyway, at, towards the end of retirement, or end of my 30 years, as I was praying, I felt like God was saying again. It just reminded me of the call that I had felt earlier. Mm. And um, so I was on our mission website, and I saw a job for a teacher in the Horn of Africa, so when david came home i just asked him to read that description and tell me what he thought about it and his remark was well i could quit my job today and do this and i was like really deal that's not (laughs) what i was expecting not at all
2: in fact she told me well i'm not you said i'm not kidding she says we're gonna pray about this we're not just you know i said of course we're gonna pray about it
3: yeah so we agreed that we wouldn't say anything we would just pray about it for two months and that was in december it started out october so every day during those two months we just felt this stronger and stronger call even though we knew that particular job wouldn't be there um we still continued to pray about it and then just started the process to go with our their mission agency
0: mm-hmm.
1: wow yeah so uh you're referencing the international mission board mm-hmm. um yeah I, I just more stories from that like what was I'm, I'm trying not to tell your story because it is my story. So, this is, I mean, your story is not my story. My story is just intertwined. My story is my story because of your story.
2: <laughs> well, we, you know, we got several different reactions, okay? Y'all, the three of y'all, was like, go. We, we love it my mother i said to my mother i'm going to africa and twice she said no no you're not <laughs> and i said like many actually, mothers <laughs> <laughs> yeah. actually we are <laughs> and, and yeah. so, but uh you know that was just that was just the beginning of uh of, mm. of that how it began to work and then uh, a year later she retired in december 15 days later we were in virginia um mm. 3 months later we were in um, cote d'ivoire listening to the gunshots and everything going on and um I didn't know that part. yeah and so um <laughs> it was it was it was an eye-opener you know there's no doubt but uh, if you'd have told me many years ago or even one year before then that we were going to be going to africa i would have it would have been kind of funny oh, to man. me
0: so so what year was that 2004
1: 2004 one week
0: after we got married oh yeah. wow okay yeah. so a week after you and kristen get married your parents leave the country That's, i mean i don't know what that says about what you <laughs> approve of that marriage but no i mean i just want to say that the the boldness in the uh the level of obedience that you guys stepped into at re- you know after retirement is awesome the, i think that is one if there's one of the biggest takeaways of the story is like retirement you ain't retiring from your the the mission that god has called you and just the, so seeing that transition that's like super exciting to me and then the the imb so is that and i don't i don't want to like hijack this conversation was that but the imb if that was you said 2004 so that was beginning to see some church planning movements globally right so were you Absolutely. guys were you kind of begin to be trained in that way of even at that moment
3: right we um Yes. Yeah, so just like we use the discovery Bible study method here, those were the same questions that we used at that time as we would share stories from the Bible and then ask those questions and see churches emerge from that.
2: Yeah. We, um, we would begin by prayer walking. Mm-hmm. A lot yeah, of times w- we would, we would go into villages, sometimes just the two of us and, uh, we would begin to prayer walk in that village and, um, one story just jumped in my mind is when we were walking down a little dirt road. Uh, I say dirt road. It's just an alleyway through all the homes. And um, she, was, she was up ahead of me. I'm not sure why. She was 10 or 15 feet ahead of me. And uh, it was about 2 o'clock when, when we normally eat lunch over there. And um, and I, I just, there was nobody else around. And, and I remember saying, I said, I sure am hungry. And all of a sudden I hear, Kai Anya which mean in wolf means come eat lunch huh. and i just turned around i was like where did that come from and cheryl she said look above you and i looked up because every all the compounds are enclosed by walls and uh, this little guy was his head was sticking up over the wall and he he said it again and so of course you have to go eat yeah. I mean, if if you're there, you have to do it, you mm-hmm. know. And so, we went in and sat and ate. But, you know, that's that's what we did. Wherever we went, we were always looking for people of peace. Yeah. And God would open those doors. Yeah. He would always open. Yeah, some sometimes they were gatekeepers, but mm. but you know, many times they were they were people of peace and. And that's how, you know, we would go in and we never carried a Bible with us. We always would learn the stories and because many of them couldn't read. And so it, it, they would say, or at least we were taught that they would say, uh, well, that would that would be your religion because you have to be able to read. Okay. And uh, so we would read the stories. I mean, we would share the stories. And um, and the way we did that was we would say they would always ask us, why are you here? And we would say, well, we're, we're people of peace, we're, we're people of prayer, and we're teachers of God's word. And so we'd, we'd follow that up with, we know a story from God's word, you want to hear it? And they would always look around for, like for a chairs. Of course, there wasn't many chairs, but uh, we would just sit down and uh, we would share a story. And then if they were interested, you know, we would go back uh, or we would continue just depending on the time yeah keep telling stories like what do- <laughs> more,
0: more tell us more yeah, so gonna,
2: i want to tell I, there's another one that just always stands out to me i'll never forget this story mm. uh we had many churches would come that's what we would do we would bring churches over we would train them here in the united states take them over and whatever people group because most of them were small people groups that their church would be the missionary for that people group and uh, uh there was a church that came over and uh we went To a village we had never gone to before uh, met some of the people they were always friendly always open and um and so cheryl said we know a story from god's word you want to hear it and the lady said no you must come to my house Mm -hmm. and so we went to her house and we sat down in this room y'all and you always sat on the floors you mean there was no chairs Mm -hmm. there was 30 something women in this one big room and the men were in the in the adjacent rooms and uh, we were sitting there, everybody's facing Cheryl, and I'm sitting right behind Cheryl, and my, ba- my, my back's up against the wall. And over there, they don't have windows or screens. They just have shutters. And, uh, and Cheryl said, uh, she said, I want, you know, I want to share a story uh, from God's Word. And when she said that y'all the wind went through that house wow. and those shutters slammed Ooh. and you talk about raising the hair on the back of your neck but I'll never forget that. Wow. But before we know, went in she, it didn't
3: even seem like a windy day. Yeah. And so it, yeah, was it was kind of like the story we talked about this morning with the Holy Spirit just yeah. descending.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was it was yeah, yeah. a very special day. So,
0: I mean, and, and it looks like this is probably second question I want to revert back to that. Is like, so how did that begin to inform, I mean, those experiences, those stories? I mean, basically, you're just reciting Luke chapter 10 uh, in your own stories, uh, you know, in, in Africa, but like, like, your own church background, well, you know, I, like how did I'm, all that collide in that moment?
3: That's interesting, Corey, because we had not been there probably a year, maybe two and at that point we were still planning to come back after two years Mm. but i said to david one day i said you know when we go back church is going to look different for us Mm -hmm. i said we're going to be reaching out to our neighborhood not so much you know i mean the traditional model is great but Mm -hmm. we just felt like our i did at that time and i think david did too that we're missing a lot you know we need to engage where we are i mean every sunday we would get up and drive and pass all of our neighbors that yeah we don't we didn't even know at that time you know yeah,
0: totally. brian and i are colliding as yeah. we're both leaning in on the same microphone uh but i'm bigger than him so i'm going to push him here no i i was going to say like i i resonate in smaller ways like so i never was overseas as a as a long-term missionary but has had a lot of experiences and and there is something about once you're you're in that world And you even you see the fruit but you just see all you just live into it for a season it it is hard to come back and and not being you know this is better this is worse this model versus this model but there is a manner of like i i don't feel like i can go back to church as i as i knew it knew it when you experience things like that and i can imagine you know even more so with you all or y'all sorry my fault um and just living into that and then moving back and so yeah i don't know if there's I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a helpful conversation to say, "Hey, compare what you did there to what you did here." But do, what kind of transitions do you feel like you made? What kind of shifts that was God doing in you as, as you know, as a couple, as missionaries in the way that you view church and disciple making over there. Over, over there. Like, how did Africa and your experience in Africa uh, change what was present before as you, you know, your church background in America.
3: I think realizing that smaller is—it's not like it's better mm. or worse, like you said, it's just different. But in so many ways, we could be more intentional and be more like a family in right. a smaller group. I, I know, as far as our micro church here, I, th- I think we'll get to that in a minute. But you know, we have definitely built a family relationship. Mm-hmm. So,
2: yeah. Uh, as far as adding to it, uh, what you're saying, it's, I don't know, it's just a lot, it's, it's a closeness that you don't, yeah. you don't experience over mm-hmm. here. We both grew up in big churches. Hers was a massive church. and But, you know, when we would come home, we would always go to different churches. And when we would visit smaller churches, the people were so, so welcoming and stuff like that. And, and it just didn't seem like there was that closeness, you know. And I that's think what another thing,
3: too, is um, the multiplication that we expected there. You know, yeah. we would begin yeah. with, you know, who are you or not begin with. But one of the questions that we would always ask is, who are you going to share this with? Right. So just holding, having that accountability. Mm-hmm.
2: We didn't we didn't ask, will you go share the story? We we would cover the story five or six times because we knew that they were oral learners. And so that's the way, you know, once they heard it five or six times, they had the story. And they could mm-hmm. go share it. Many of them could learn it in one. And just mess mess with my mind. But anyway, um, that's, we would all, always expect them to go. And, I mean, I, so many stories are going through my mind right now.
1: <laughs> While you think of another one, I was going to ask you, Mom, if there are any, like, significant moments. Like, he shared a couple already of, you know, this guy inviting him to. Come eat when you're feeling like you're hungry, and I know you had that one with the shutters closing. Are there were there any other stories like? Uh, to, while you're thinking about it, just some context around. Uh, you're over the sub-Saharan African region, so one I know one of your jobs was that was to track different people groups and where they were, uh, which the, I, the number of people that you encountered that had never heard the name of Jesus before. Um,
3: Uh, that was one story that i definitely remember going to a village with it was a church from alabama and as we were visiting different ladies it was a i was with the ladies and we would uh, we visited two or three older women who had lost their husbands they were living alone but we would ask well what do you know about jesus one of the um, people from Alabama. One of the ladies from Alabama said, "What do you know about Jesus?" We, anyway, she said, um, "Well, what village is he from?" Well, wow. and the next we she asked a similar question at the next home, and she said, and the answer was, "Is he from down at the church?" You know. So they had some. Mm. Sometimes they had an idea that he was related to something that's going on at the church, but mm. no clue as to yeah. what Jesus, who Jesus is or what he did for us. Mm.
1: So, um, yeah, I was just... Any other stories that come to mind that I want to get before we make this transition? Because this was... I just remember, the, for me, on this side of the story, it was clearly a transition from my childhood. <laughs> if I can give that side. I could always joke about... You know you taught Sunday school and then went to the hospital to have me. And like we were in the building every Sunday morning, Sunday night. Like it was it was a sin to ask are you going to church? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it was it was an important part of who we were. Mm-hmm. Um and then like to watch both of you from this side, it's like these are different people. Very different from what I grew up with, which is a beautiful transition but um anyway, I've rambled enough. Is there any other pieces you want to share? I mean, from
2: there's, that? there's so many stories going through my mind, but I mean, I can think of one that we, we were trying to help our churches see that, um, you know, that they could do this on their own. They didn't need us, uh, because eventually we had to leave them anyway. Uh, but we expected them to come. I would always tell them four to six times a year and, um, and be a, be in this village sharing the gospel. And uh, but. I mean, one time we went and uh, I had to, when we first got to the village, I had to leave the guys with the the interpreter and, and go pick up a, another translator for the women. And Cheryl and the ladies went one way and the men went another. And the next morning we got back to that village and uh, I asked the men, I said, so where are we gonna start? And they said, oh, we're with you, you know. So wherever you take us, that's where we're going. And I said, well, Let's walk back down here. There's some guys working, and let's go greet them. And so we walked back up the road. And and um, when we got there, one of the men, um, it, it's, he said, uh, do you have a, a book? Do you have this story written down? And I said, what story would that be? And he said, uh, the one, and he pointed to another man that was working. He said, the one he told us yesterday. And I said, well, what story is that? and the man quoted the demon-possessed man story word for word i mean it was perfect and so i said well why do you need this written down you know it perfectly and he said well if this is god's word we need to we need to study it but so many times when we were with our churches or whether we were with nationals or whatever we were always trying to help them understand that that you don't need any special knowledge you just take it and go yeah wow
0: man i feel like we need another podcast where we can just sit and hear a ton of more of those stories but i want to zoom the story ahead a little bit right because okay so uh, i don't know how how long you guys in africa total 12 years 12 12 years well okay so you're there for 12 years and then suddenly this crazy cat uh son of yours i know he's also in kansas city i don't know what got you back to kansas city if it was uh, family or you know uh, you you can inform us in that if you want but
1: we desperately needed help yeah (laughs)
0: so you're here in Kansas city. Talk us through that. Like, what was that transition? Like, how did you, I mean, you were part of like the early Kansas city underground story, but just talk us through the transition to Kansas city. Why are you a part of this crazy thing?
3: Well, in those days, if you remember it was simple church. Yeah. And so, um, we were going through a curriculum that was called simple church. And as soon as we started hearing a little bit about it, we knew it was just what we had this done. Sounds familiar, And yeah. we thought, this is what we've been doing this is what we've been longing for mm-hmm. so it was not hard for us to make that transition from the traditional model I guess and to yeah. some um to what we're doing now yeah
0: so I mean it, it struck a chord early on like hey this is simple this is exactly. what we're, we did and that's I mean that really hits home of all the obviously we talk about that so often Is like we are informed and you know, we model so much of the way in which we practice. After you know the, the movements that we're seeing around the world, and I'm also like often struck by your humility. I don't know, it was, maybe it was David recently. I think Brian, you told me, is you know you were on a a call or something with uh, a major African leader. I think it might have been Shidanka. Yeah. Was that right? and Shidanka is just you know just incredible. Oh yeah so i mean you guys were with him in west africa and and so we learn a lot from shidanka even in just prayer stuff and i think david was like oh yeah we stayed at his house or something he's like (laughs) things like that like you hear little stories when you're like man this is awesome i mean clearly god was bringing this all together and you guys are like okay you're in many ways also leading out not just from your past experience but from what you're actually living on mission here in kansas city and so can you guys walk us through a little bit of of that i know that even just different contexts and uh, maybe starting with David on this one of like I don't know Brian if you want to lead this part because I know that you
1: yeah I want to uh, like you're a part of the original couples that helped found yeah. the underground if we're gonna call it that what yeah. your your house was the, the hub. Founder. thank goodness you had <laughs> this huge house for us to meet in when we were doing all that planning but you also you moved back from West Africa you moved in with Kristen and me and all those kids and helped us figure out life here in Kansas City so When we talk about microchurches as an extended spiritual family, I always say, like, my parents will always be a part of our microchurch because they literally are our (laughs) extended family. And the spiritual component is formed by that. Um, But uh, you moved out of our house into a new neighborhood, and immediately you're living on mission in that context. So uh, maybe talk a little bit about that microchurch emerging, and then we'll get to the jail context.
3: We had a lot of really funny things that happened during that first when we first moved in with all the boxes and that were in our garage and things like that. And people watching those boxes come in and out. so finally, we got to the point that we felt a little bit settled after what just three or four months, really, but so I sent out just an invitation to some of our immediate neighbors saying, "The boxes are gone now it's time to <laughs> you know meet our neighbors." And so they came. Oh, they came. Um,
2: Eleven out of fourteen. Yeah, I think it, was, it was a it was a homes, great yeah.
3: um, it was a great party, and so that's what we began doing is just um, inviting our neighbors in just to get to know them, and that evolved to um, some spiritual conversations that we were able to have with some of them and realizing who would be open. And so one day we just had a couple of neighbors over, and I said, hey, would y'all be interested in looking at the teachings of Jesus with us? And they immediately said yes. And so that was the, just the beginning of this amazing group of people that meet together now. And we've grown so much. So that was, that was a
0: fast storyline. I mean, that, I mean, as far as, like, the timeline, I mean, it was.
3: Um, it took a, it was a couple of years. Yeah, it was a couple of years. Yeah,
0: I'll, I'll say that's fast
1: well it is fast like the thing that i feel like is important to highlight is um you threw a lot of parties it wasn't just like we invited them in and had a meal and then we had this conversation like people should be aware in neighborhood context it takes a season for people to trust each other but you said like people are in your home meeting each other that have been neighbors for a long time at that first
3: party some people were they were like oh you know that i see you at the post office which is the mailbox on the corner um let me let me add this part
2: because when they all came in they were you know it was funny to listen to them greet and i finally said wait a minute i said you because i already knew these people i'd already been talking to them and i said you've been here 20 years And you've been here 17 years and y'all don't know each other. Wow! And they said, well, yeah, they were they were the ones they're the ones that lived in the cul-de-sac or something, you know. And and so that's crazy, you know, that's how they but it it just opened it up. And from then on, it was, you know, they they kind of get to know each other
1: but they all have a like a strong affection for each other now right absolutely sure yeah i mean like it's really? I g we always uh say like we want to be careful the stories that we highlight what if people feel uncomfortable or whatever but like that one was like well that happened yeah but now they're like oh yeah we're, we're best buds which is it, it again, definitely open the doors i'm going back to highlighting if you're in a neighborhood context it does take a season and it, it really takes does admitting like yeah we didn't know each other and uh we should have and now we're together mm. so let's move forward <laughs> together you're going to say something you know, else. i
3: was just going to say um so in the beginning we had like a larger party at a couple of them and then we just began inviting smaller yeah. numbers in just in because when there's a lot of people that mm-hmm. you're trying to get to know it's hard to have a conversation with that many people.
0: Yeah. No, that that's there's that's awesome because there's a lot of intentionality with that where you're moving from spaces larger spaces of just relationship building to being a little more t- targeted. And as we talk about the missionary pathway, you know, we that's we say extraordinary prayer and fasting is step number one. Step number two, living as missionaries. Mm-hmm. And living as missionaries encompasses a lot of things of depending on the context, but we often we just talk about creating spaces where you can have Conversations, you can get to know people, you live out what we call the blessed rhythms. And it sounds like you were just doing that to a T, creating space, having parties, having conversations, and then zooming in a little more. So you have intentionality where you can actually ask some harder questions. And I'm struck by uh, a handful of the things that you were talking about in the neighborhood context, but when with a little of intentionality meets what the missional strategy. Of creating space for relationships, like I think that is the suburban like access ministry. like I don't know what access ministry always looked like in Africa if it was you know walking around just engaging and ha- you know, having conversations, uh, but it's like in America it's just just creating space for a relationship, and having someone who, who will spearhead some of that is such I mean it sounds from my perspective that that was a big part of your journey. Yeah for sure i was i guess that was an open-ended question it was more of a period. it was more of a period there we all, affirm. <laughs> all right let's
1: so on the flip side dad you started working for brothers in blue uh at the lansing state prison right
2: 2016.
1: yeah so what's happened what's happened there
2: um well uh, my prison ministry actually started in Senegal, uh, by going with a, a national there. And so I felt when I got here, I felt like I just felt drawn to Lansing. And so I started going and, um, as I began to get to know these people, you know, everything starts with relationship. That's one thing we learn in Africa. It's always about, about relationship building. And so built those relationships with the men in there. And then, um, just you know ask them would they like to start um, doing uh, a discovery bible study and of course that always so you can see the eyebrows go up because they don't know what that really means and so we get to explain that and so we started uh one i started one in in medium uh, the medium max facility and um and then i started another one in the minimum facility and um then COVID came along, and when COVID first started, uh, we were taken out. We weren't able to go back in. Uh, I, I heard from them later, and they were still meeting. So that was that was pretty exciting to me. But I think, to be honest with you, I think they were kind of reverting back to what they knew, and there was probably one person that was just really teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now that COVID's over, I've been able to go back in, you know, gone, gone back in and uh, been able to um, get back doing what we were doing in the beginning, and um, it's it's really fun to watch these guys because when you do DBS and you just take just a little piece of a, of the scripture. Mm-hmm. and and i tell them they they laugh about it all the time because they really want to say well over in matthew it says this or over in Mm Philip, you know and they but they'll laugh and say well no we can't go anywhere else so (laughs) you know but it's it's so much fun really just to watch them go deep into these scriptures and 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 they're learning so much but um yeah so Mm. i've actually I actually had my first meeting with a third group that started this past Monday so mm. uh, we'll see how that one goes uh, it, it might it might not but we'll see
0: mm. amen I spent a lot of time you know as 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 you know David is in jail ministry and then the prison side is obviously some similarities obviously a lot of differences and a lot of long term stuff but there is there's time and hunger for people to dive into the word mm-hmm. and so to create spaces for people to just To do that, they don't have to rely on you, is a is a significant principle that we you said already. You all both said already that you did it in in Africa, and now you're doing it in a neighborhood setting, and you're seeing it in a prison setting. And Cheryl, I know that you also have a huge heart for the nations here in Kansas City, as we've partnered together and pray together most Tuesday mornings Mm -hmm. for the nations. And I don't know if that was part of all of this, and if you know, but I want to throw that out there, and you could totally comment and whatever you want but uh clearly your y'all's ministry uh, y'all man brian just gave me like this look of satisfaction affection and satisfaction <laughs> there that y'all's ministry is not contained to even one context and so i don't how does that look i mean just the, the the way that you spend your time you know just like the way you think through these different ministry contexts and including the nations just want to give you a, a minute yeah to i think
3: that. well i think the nations will always be part of our life and part of our heart and our desire to see the nations come to know Jesus. So when we first got back in our first neighborhood it seemed like we were seeing Senegalese people at Walmart, in our neighborhood at the river market and it seemed like a door was opening but then it also sometimes seems like that door is closed and so our heart is still to see the um, nations come to know the Lord. And so we just keep praying.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen.
1: Well, I think one of the things, too, to highlight is you don't have this is for people that are listening. A couple of things here is you don't have like a, we have to get a micro church with Senegalese people. We have to get a micro church here. We have, you know, it's like, it's the owning of disciple making wherever we are. So mm-hmm. we're going to be about this, uh, joining Jesus and what he's called us to do. Mm-hmm. And then if micro churches emerge in these spaces, we celebrate it. If not, we're going to multiply people that know how to make disciples that know how to make disciples uh, with a hope that these families do emerge. The other thing I would say, uh, you highlighted this earlier, but for those outside of our city, those leaders that are thinking about microchurches emerging, the people that would join them in disciple-making is like um, understanding like this principle that 18 to 25 year olds have a ton of time on their hands usually because they're not married and uh, they're figuring out life and they'll go anywhere and do anything but also uh, the older generations (laughs) that are quote-unquote retiring also have these spaces and time and um, it's like this is one of those principles to lean into it's like who can we invite and and be strategic in those settings anyway i have like i, I do want to do more episodes i know mom you're like mm, i don't know about this but <laughs> it, it in in the last just couple minutes here if there's is there anything else that you've thought oh, i want to say that i want to share that or this is something that is on my heart that we didn't really get to but it's part of my story and you should have asked better questions like is there <laughs> I,
2: l- let me share one thing it's about this last group you know I was in my office one afternoon and I'm gonna tell you something I never leave work early I'm always late leaving work okay and so about 15 minutes before 5 I um, I I was like okay Lord what what are you wanting me to do you know I've got a little time I figured I got got another hour to give and so I'm and I said so as I do that I'm getting ready and I leave and as soon as I walk out of the pod I meet these two guys in the in the hallway and um we begin to talk and one of them he said something about he really needs to get back into his bible and I said so why don't we just start a bible study in your in your pod and he was like yes and so um that I said well I tell you what you pray about it tonight and uh, if if you know, if you think that that's what y'all want to do, you let me know. And so the next day, here I am leaving early again, and it was, I walk, I walk out into the hallway, and I turn, and he's he's standing there, right in, right in my face, and and I said, so have you thought about it? And he's like, yep. He said I got five guys that want to start a Bible study, and I said okay. And I said we'll start next Monday, and that was that was last Monday.
0: Well, come on. Praise God. There's so many cool things about that story. It's the, the first part is actually the thing that stood out to me was like, I've got an extra hour. Lord, what do you want me to do? And like, I think that absolutely carries over to anyone in any vocation of just like there's the with the intentionality of God. You're already you're up to something. My everyday space here. How does that collide? I'm going to just give that over to you. So and then obviously the, the fruit of that was is very cool. But OK, so can I ask the last question? last question you know one of the the great things that i i just love every time we interview people is like do you have something that you would speak over us is there a word or a blessing um and so we we saw cheryl had her bible and she was she was ready for this and so i want to throw that out to you guys again if like you would just have something for um us as kansas city underground or kansas city or just the people of god on mission who are listening to this podcast we're all ears
3: okay so galatians 6 9 says so let's not get tired of doing what's good at just the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up so i would just say you know sometimes things are frustrating sometimes we want things to go our way but just keep on knowing that we're not in control god is and at the right time we'll reap a blessing and reap a harvest if we keep on
0: amen dude i i was i was hit hard on that one i mean is like one of those like holy spirit uh goosebumps all over and if if we don't give up we're going to see we're going to reap a harvest and not giving up you know what i hear in that is i'm not going to give up i'm going to continue to seek hard after the lord Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean i'm going to uh make it happen on my own strength but i'm going to run hard as we desperately cry out to god so well i just want to say thank you um all three johnsons that are in this room but especially the elder johnsons (laughs) but you did something right um here with my brother and Seriously, you guys have led the way and and you've led the way in a humble way and you've led the way from not being like Hey, look at me. You've led from the back. You've, you mostly support others. Uh, I don't even you don't seek a voice I mean, I know that you guys don't maybe necessarily want a voice out there but clearly your story is influencing people and you can't help but make disciples and plant churches as you go in these various contexts so Love you guys. Thank you so much for leading the way. Uh, I don't know if your son wants to say anything on air. I'll I'll take it from here. So you guys are the best. (laughs) And uh, stay tuned, whatever that means in the podcast world, for future uh, Spotlight episodes. Peace. Thanks for listening
1: to The Underground Podcast. We hope that it's either been an encouragement to you or that it's created a curiosity about what it means to live into a missionary mindset with an aim to make disciples and see the church emerge. If you're a missionary or a microchurch in Kansas City and you're looking for coaching or just belonging within a network, we'd love to connect with you so we can learn about what you are doing and how you are joining Jesus for gospel saturation in this city. If you're outside the Kansas City area and have questions about what it would mean to catalyze a disciple-making movement that leads to the emergence of microchurches in every network within your city, we'd love to connect with you as well and offer whatever resources might be helpful to you. You can find out more at kcunderground.com. Grace and peace, friends.